the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Apostle Paul calls it the spirit of adoption. That is what we'll look at today as we continue our journey through the book of Romans. Join us. Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner is coming up next. I mention the word adoption. What comes to mind? Well, if you're like many, you understand just exactly what adoption really is. It's taking a child that has been abandoned and making them one of your own. It was a special deal back in the first century. Even today, we have special ceremonies when we find ourselves adopting children. The spirit of adoption is what the Apostle Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And it is that very spirit of adoption that we'll explore today here on Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. We invite you to spend time with us today as we explore this spirit of adoption. Here's Pastor Gary and today's program. We will be looking today at verses 15 through 17. Everything in these verses is designed to encourage us this week to press on to godliness. We greatly need these encouragements. The best of us crawl when we should be running toward God and his eternal kingdom. We need to remember, though, something about our struggles. God does not stand aloof from you and those troubles while you struggle. God does not look down his nose at you and say, There he goes again. There she goes again. In the midst of our struggles and our weaknesses, our Heavenly Father loves us. And so great is his love, verse 15, that he says, I have not given you a spirit of bondage again to fear. Some have interpreted this as referring to the Old Testament. I don't see that. I think what Paul is saying here is that God gave us his spirit and we are not under the bondage of sin anymore. Therefore, we are not under fear. What breeds fear? It is guilt. Fear of God's judgment that is written upon every soul of every man who has ever been born. But God says in verse 14, I've given you my spirit And all of my sons are led by my spirit. So far, so good. We're not under bondage. We have been delivered from sin. We don't have any reason to be afraid that God is angry with us if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, sometimes we doubt as believers, do we not? Because of a verse like verse 14, for as many of us are led by the Spirit of God, that immediately raises questions. 
Am I led by the Spirit of God? I see a lot of weaknesses in my life, a lot of sinfulness that I struggle with. So we begin to doubt. Perhaps despair raises its ugly head, but God says, listen, I have not given you my spirit to disturb you or to unsettle you. I have given you my spirit to subdue you to a tranquil frame of mind and heart so that you trust me and you trust my love and you realize that I am your father and then confidently call upon me as your father. So every one of us in one way or another is going to feel our old man trying to assert his filthy dominance in our lives. But we need to remember that we are not under sin's bondage, nor are we under the wrath and curse of God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has borne it for us. And the Holy Spirit was given to us to apply to our hearts and lives the finished work of Jesus Christ, so that we are delivered from that bondage and fear. But that is not all that God does. He not only doesn't give us the spirit of bondage and fear, verse 15, but he gives us the spirit of adoption. Now, spirit here should probably be capitalized because the Holy Spirit is obviously very much in view here. You see, our Father wants us to feel Psalm 34, 8, which says, O taste And see, the Lord is good. And so we will taste of his goodness. And he not only takes away our fear of slavery to sin, but he gives us the spirit of adoption. And the Holy Spirit's chief work in this is to conquer, and this is true of all of God's children, to conquer our sense of alienation from God, And instead give us confidence in his mercy through the Lord Jesus. Now we need to put this confidence, this assurance upon its proper foundation. It's not like we have exalted feelings. Although our feelings do change the more the Holy Spirit works within us. What the Holy Spirit does though is something far more solid. He takes the work that... Jesus did 2,000 years ago, obeying God in our place, suffering our curse on the cross, and he takes that cleansing, sufficient, satisfying work, and he applies it to us so that the guilt, the fear, the sense of alienation from God is removed. Paul says in Hebrews 9, 12 through 14, He purges our conscience from dead works. He takes what is from Jesus and he applies it to us. He gives us faith to believe in the gospel. That Jesus was not just a good man who died a long time ago, but he died as our substitute, bearing our wrath, our curse and judgment in hell on that cross. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He takes away the barrier of sin and judgment by applying Jesus' work to us and makes us feel that instead of God being armed and with judgment against us, he is filled with love 
as our Father. Now, listen. Only Christians have this. Because understand, outside of Christ, God is armed with judgment to destroy. Only in Christ is there no judgment. Only in Christ there is no slavery to sin. There's no legitimate fear because Jesus took all of our fear, all of our judgment upon himself on the tree so that now we are God's redeemed sons and daughters. And this word, you know, adoption is profound. There's a legal sense to it as God puts his name on us. You know, if you adopt a child, they're, of course, called by your name. They are legally yours. Every one of you who believes in the Lord Jesus and you are baptized, your last name is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have a legal claim on God's love. (coughs) Have you ever thought about that? If you believe in Jesus, you have a legal right to the love of God. He gave it to you. He brought you into his family, and he gives you all the other gifts and graces that come from that adoption as well. Now, the spirit of adoption is not some fleeting emotional impulse. It is much more concrete. Notice the end of verse 15, how it comes to expression. By the spirit of adoption, we do something. Every one of God's children does this. This isn't for the elite only because there are no elite in the church. Every one of God's sons and daughters that have God's spirit does this. Christ to God, but not, now listen, this is very important, but not as a deity, let me tell you. It always concerns me when I hear in the prayers of others and myself a lot of God, 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 but very little Father. Father expresses a different relationship. Yes, he's God. Jesus says, I ascend to my Father and your God. I ascend to my Father and your Father. That's true. But understand that Father brings us into the house. God, he is the supreme. He is the sovereign. He is the awesome one. That's true. And it is well for us that it is true. But he has also bound himself to us and brought us into his family. And he says, I want you to do something. I want you to call me daddy. You know, when we hear people pray sometimes, now this is not at all condemnatory, so please do not take it that way. But they will throw a phrase in, Abba, Father. But understand, Abba is just the Aramaic word for Father. So Paul adds Father in Greek to explain his Greeks, to his Greek-speaking audience the translation. But there is more. Because the Aramaic Abba was a term of close family connection. It was a term of endearment. No slave could ever use this word. No outsider would use this word. 
only the sons and daughters would use the word Abba. And then he adds that to father to intensify it. In fact, a good translation here would probably be dear father. Think about what that means. The God of the universe. He's not some huge God sitting on Mount Olympus somewhere ready to shoot you down with the lightning bolts the moment you go astray. No, that is a Greek stupidity here, and it is not the truth. Through the Lord Jesus, this holy, 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 I am the first and the last. I am the Lord of hosts. I sit above the circle of the earth. He inhabits eternity and makes us his children and gives us the spirit of adoption so we may call God Daddy. Now this puts holiness, it puts the Christian life on a completely different foundation. What are you supposed to do when you are suddenly presented with a strong temptation or some inclination of the flesh comes upon you and you're like, where did that come from? Or you stumble and fall. Oh, well, God's probably going to kill me later today. No. He is my Father in the Lord Jesus. So, daddies, when your little boy comes to you and says, I fell down and I skinned my knee. Or, daddy, I know you told me not to, but I was using your favorite tool and I broke it. What do you do, dads? Now, I know there may be some discipline here, but there is also some, it's okay. The important thing is not my tool. The important thing is that you learn your safety is to listen to me and not what I know is and, and do what I know is best for you. So are we struggling? What does God tell us to do? Call on me. Cry to me. I will hear you. I'm your daddy. I am your father through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no barrier between you and me. It is not my throne. We don't even have any conception of what his throne is like. God has to speak to us basically in baby talk. Because we are so dull and slow and sluggish. But he has presented his throne to the prophets as sitting above the circle of the earth. It says heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. He says, come to my throne. Come to me. I will help you. I love you. I have bound myself to you as your father. And you are bound to me as my sons and as my daughters. So this spirit of adoption that enables us to cry to God as our father with confidence. He is our source of our every blessing. Do you need something that is legitimate? Ask your father. Are you struggling? Go to your father and cast your cares upon him. Are you perplexed by things you hear that are going on? Go to your father. 
He has given us his Holy Spirit so that we will be inwardly persuaded that God is not our enemy stalking us, ready to destroy us. He is our Father and he loves us and he wants us to succeed, to be holy, to be happy, to know him and to walk with him forever. Now this witness in verse 16 The spirit of adoption is so important, so vital. Every one of God's children has it. And notice the intensity of the language. The spirit himself bears witness. This cannot be emphasized too strongly. God wants us to be assured that we are reconciled to him through the death of his son. Let me say that again. God wants us to be assured that we are reconciled to him through the death of his son. That when Jesus said, it is finished, it was. Sin was finished. Death was finished. Fear was finished. Judgment was finished. Slavery to sin was finished. You see, God loves us. So he puts his spirit in our hearts and our lives to bear witness that you are God's children. Now understand what this witness is. This is not a voice in your head. I think verse 16 is an explanation of verse 15 actually. So that the crying to God is the witness of the Holy Spirit in you. Let me say that like this. If you call God your father and you appeal to him, and you cling to him as your father, understand where that has come from. That has come from the Holy Spirit. That is him taking what Jesus did and causing you to believe, I am reconciled to God. (coughs) Yes, there's a lot of sin in my life. Yes, I struggle, but there is no barrier To that throne. Yes I need to repent. But where do I go? I go to my father. Yes I need to overcome my lust. And my lies. My fear. My worries and my laziness. Whatever it may be. So I go to my father. Who strengthens me. And helps me. Because he loves me. Can his heart be any more open to us than that he gave his only begotten son for us, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he gives us his spirit to give a personal, direct testimony to our hearts so we are enabled to call upon him as our father, to believe in him and to trust in him. Now, assurance. There are times I have to confess as an adult where my assurance has ebbed low. You feel sins in your life and you ask questions. Lord, could this be in me and yet I be one of yours? The Holy Spirit gives a defining, you're pardoned when we believe the gospel. But in the context of Romans 8, that witness, as that assurance grows, the more we do the following, look at verse 1 of chapter 8, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You don't do that if you are not in the Spirit. Verse 4, 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 5. But they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. Verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. So there is a defining assurance that we have. When we believe the gospel, that assurance, confidence, boldness to draw near to God in prayer grows in us the more we walk after the Spirit. Do you know what destroys assurance of salvation? What destroys assurance of God's love? It is sin. It is worldliness. Think of it like this. Do you think God is going to give you assurance of his love if you're walking in opposition to him? That's not going to be very healthy for any of us. And it will be an injury and an insult to Jesus. So the more we walk after the Spirit, putting ourselves under his influence, the more we mind the things of the Spirit. So what is spirit-minding, by the way? What's he talking about? He is thinking about John 16, 8 through 11. Sin, righteousness, judgment. He's thinking about his truth, his beautiful book that he has given us. He is thinking about everything Jesus did so we can apply it to ourselves. So the more we mind the things of the Spirit... The more of the spirit we feel and are inwardly persuaded that we do belong to God and that he is our father and that he is merciful to us, his children. Now understand that we don't have to be perfect before we taste of this assurance. And how can we make any strides in holiness or obtain any victory if we don't cry out to God? My guess is that some of your best prayers, times that you look back on and you know, I was praying to God and I was fellowshipping with my father and he was hearing me. But it is my guess, those have been times when you were very, very low in yourself. Maybe there was a sin. Maybe there was a season of grief. Maybe you were overwhelmed by circumstances and you could do nothing. But just fall upon your face and ask God, your Father, to help you. So it is not perfection that gives assurance of God's favor. No, the Spirit gives us this because we are God's children. Think again about your earthly parents. Why do we love our parents? Well, if we are wise, we love them because we know they love us. They feed us or fed us if we are older. They took care of us. We came into this world naked, helpless, and stinky. And our parents provided for us. And God is the best of all fathers. And he assures you he loves you. So if you are weak, what are you supposed to do? You go to him. If you are struggling with sin in your life, What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to your father and tell him. I wonder, dads, if we have given our own children 
the right feelings about God. And mothers, the same thing. Parents, if any of your children come to you and say, and you should encourage this from your children, I'm struggling with this sin, then the daddy hat should go on big time. And the judging hat should come off. Because you should not be interested in condemning them or telling them how bad they are. Because if they're coming, telling you that they are struggling with this, they already know they are bad. We need to encourage them to be godly. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. 8665607 We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner Three-star general Michael J Flynn head of the Pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.